film sucks Indie film sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks Podcast Yeah St. Louis from a basement on South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. <laughs> indie Film Still Sucks. It sucks. And tonight we have another special guest, director James Dean. How's it going, guys? James Thanks for having Dean. me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Hey, before we get too far, James, what's your suck? What's my suck? Okay, <laughs> well, we were kind of, I kind of alluded to this before we started recording. I try to stay positive. Right. So, um, right now, okay. If you want me to give you something that I think sucks, I'm in post-production on a film, and I'm editing it, so it kind of becomes lonely, and it's weird compared to, you know, you're on set, and there's all this energy, and there's all these collaborators all around you, and all this excitement, and then you're done, and it's like this sharp <laughs> drop, you know? I, I heard you guys talking on an episode about, like, the waiting part of the yeah, edit, yeah. you know? Um, for me, I edit my own films. Uh, maybe one day I won't. I kind of like editing them, honestly. Um, it There's this weird uh, dichotomy of you have to l really take your brain and just kind of like put yourself on a different side of the table. Because it doesn't matter how long it took you to get that shot. doesn't matter how hard you had to work at getting this one little thing. If it doesn't help tell the story in the edit, you have to forget that. Completely. And you have to remember that you need to tell the story and you kind of need to get in and get out. And keep going, you right. know, unless you're looking to pace in a specific way. So right now, my suck would be kind of the loneliness and like the just the the whole solitude of editing and being by yourself and not, you know, because it it takes a while to yeah. put something oh, together. It definitely you know? does. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've edited my own films. Right. All of them. Every every feature, up to uh, but not including the current one. Yeah. And I'm very glad to have someone else do that yeah. i always wanted someone else to edit because if you if you write and direct it i think you need that other that other set of eyes on it but right. you know, everybody works differently i guess really just like the loneliness and the isolation of like editing and being apart from the actual production and then also keeping in mind like everyone on the outside the actors the crew people that haven't been through post-production even if they've worked on the other films with you they really have no idea what post-production is and I'm not, that's not to like bash them. No. They just, they have no clue. And then there's like, there are filmmakers out there who are turning things around very quickly and sometimes cutting a lot of corners. Let's be honest. Yeah. Right. And so then there's filmmakers that put three, four or five films out in a year and that's fine. I, yeah. I'm right. not, I'm not bashing, you know, but you know, I, I would say the average length of time from start to finish is about a year, sometimes longer. I mean, you know, it, sometimes no, it's longer. We're yeah. sitting on longer now, and yeah. you're, you're telling my story because I never – this is the first – I was telling you earlier, this is the right. first film that I've been uh, part of the uh, production staff, right, right, on that side of the camera, and I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and they've gone all gone on the other projects, and here you are, 35 days. Yeah. I mean, that we're, tells uh, a good story right there. Well, yeah, not, not to plug our own stuff. <laughs> no, no, but I but just... what you're talking about, the loneliness of post, yeah. there is uh, uh, probably my favorite scene in the movie where the, the main character is is going through that. Yeah. It's a very, I think it's a very powerful scene. Yeah. If you haven't seen 35 Days, James, you need to check it I out. No. I haven't, so in full disclosure, I haven't seen any, any of your films, but I will say... They're I all know, dog shit, so... No, no, no. no. That, I don't think that's true, and here's why. Someone that... Uh, invested in our new film 
specifically brought my attention to you yeah. and said that they one of your films played at a festival and they thought it was the best film there and they thought that you guys are operating at the highest standard that St. Louis has to offer essentially must not have been a local uh, we're gonna have to get this out of them after <laughs> after we're done here we're gonna have no, to let I mean, us know who they that had nothing was but positive things to well, say that's good no and that's that's good right away uh, that, that you when you asked me to come on i i'd said honestly you were kind of on my radar as if if the film hacks of the podcast that i had would have continued you'd have been one of the next people i would have you know approached well, because you. Yeah. yeah no i mean like i i love talking to other filmmakers because we all have a story and we all have these different paths, and I don't think from start to finish it's the same story. And no. it's it, it doesn't have to be even no. to be successful. Like everyone can do a different thing, and that's that's really interesting to me. But there's know? a commonality. There's a commonality that people can pull. That's why we're doing yeah. this podcast, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, Bringing yeah. people like you on because people are gonna say that's me and James, yeah. right? That's yeah. my journey, his story. Yeah. But I feel the same thing he's doing, and that's what we're trying to get across here. Bringing you on is going. How did you get started, right? right. How yeah. did you do this? Because people are out there going, didn't know Post was lonely. Yeah. Right? Yeah, That's yeah, your yeah. suck. Yeah. yeah. Right? And yeah, it yeah. is. Party's yeah. over. Who's yeah. cleaning up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. So one thing that I noticed after interviewing about 70 different filmmakers um, is the successful ones are the ones that, one, never give up, but not just don't give up. They don't necessarily do the same thing over and over. And I don't mean genre. I, I mean that they adjust and they try to learn from what their mistakes were. And I'm not talking about just the filmmaking part. Because people say filmmaker, when you're talking about an indie filmmaker, you're not talking about just the process of making a film. Right. Then there's post. And yeah. then there's the most important part of it, which people don't think about. And that is the marketing, sale, yes. representing <laughs> the film. Because if you could make the best film in the world, but if you can't market it or if you can't get it out there, the market is so flooded right now. Right, it getting is. it out there isn't an issue. It's getting it seen, getting getting it brought to people's attention. Right. Because there's so much out there. And, yeah. and let's face it, that is the least fun part of this process. Right. Yeah. Right. The fun part is making the movie. Right. right. And yeah. you can argue the fun is fun writing the script, coming right. up with the idea. Fun part's being on set. Uh, and even post is a degree of fun because you see every all your hard work come together. Right. But the marketing and the distribution and the selling it, man, I so when's the, when's the dread all. come in? Is, is that depressing for you? Is that I mean, honestly, right? That's a that's um, a real thing, right? right? You made the movie, you wrote it because you're yeah. excited to do that. Yeah, yeah, now you yeah, made it. Yeah. Now you're sitting there. So as you get closer to finishing, do these thoughts come into your head? Um, like, so, damn, now I got to distribute this thing. Now the real suck starts because. So I've only distributed one film, okay. and we went through Film Hub. And you know I'm I'm happy enough with their process with their the way they aggregate it. Um, I wasn't as happy with my marketing efforts with the first film, and I'm still trying to find my footing with that. Um, running the Indiegogo taught me things about marketing for like the the Indiegogo we just ran um, back in December January. That taught me a lot about marketing actually. So that'll carry over to marketing this film and just trying to reach out and continue those relationships. But as far as the dread, I know with Fontaine, I just worked myself. That was the first film that okay. we made. Um, so with that film, I just overworked myself and between like just between how much pressure I was putting on myself and then also personal things that were going on. Like I had a severe depressive episode uh, for about a month in post-production for Fontaine and okay. You know, I was just doing too much. So, like, I guess a little bit of me worries about that happening again. I am, that was a couple years ago, and I'm better at, like, the balance. But I also have a pretty strict deadline for this next film. And I have to be serious and, like, keep that in mind that 
I only have so many months left before I need to have this cut and then sound and then there's very very few visual effects that need to be done. Which that, that's the one that's timely around Christmas. Yeah. What's the name of that yeah. one? Uh, so Triple Xmas. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah. Give us the story of that real quick. The plot essentially is Santa loses his shit, has a mental breakdown. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Okay. And he starts killing people, but he decides to target uh, porn stars on a Christmas themed porn shoot. So it has everything a slasher needs. It has boobs. It has tons of gore, tons of kills. There's also a lot of like commentary on indie film and like jabs at like indie filmmakers and like even myself. Like there's things that I've said that like I actually thought was funny because it's like so I'm just full of shit about it. (laughs) Yeah. And then yet I kind of incorporate it into the script that, you know, like it, it, it works. It works because it's also a set. They're on a set shooting a pornography, you know, porn. Right. And so, um, but like underneath all that, like it's a fun slasher weird concept, right? But there is actually like a theme and a message that I wanted to convey also. Will people pick up on that? I don't know. You know, like the average slasher fan may not. It's not in your face, but it's also there's definitely commentary, like a dark humor on sex workers and the way men sometimes just treat women online and like it's just it's it's pretty fucking nuts you know yeah. like when you really start to examine it we used real sex workers uh some of them have a pretty big presence online you know uh some of them were very active in the industry for a while hmm. so a lot of the actors were sex workers or some of them still are you know so yeah that's in a nutshell i guess that film did you did you have that formula did you develop that formula for your slasher and that with the boobs and right obviously there's there's purpose to that right so yeah so i think just i mean i'm a huge fan of of film of all kinds sure all kinds and like to me there's like a magic to it i've watched so many like 80s films bad 80s films and like horror films i've watched so many of them and so i think some of this when i just sit there and start to like deconstruct them a little bit in my head it's pretty easy because i've seen so many of them and i kind of the formula is just there yeah you know Yeah, yeah yeah um but I know you got to be intentful for some things, right. right? When you go to do it, like sure. using real sex workers, intentful. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was definitely something that I wanted to do. It's funny how some of it kind of fell into our laps. Like Dolly Lee, I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. She's definitely had an industry in California for a while, but she's local to St. Louis. Okay. And I didn't approach her. One of her friends who was already going to work on the film knew her. And she's like, can I introduce you? And I was like, yeah, let me let me talk to her because, you know, I don't know. I don't know if she's really even going to be interested in this. She loves horror films. And it kind of just became a natural fit. And then the one thing that was very intentional was I tried to find actors in the indie film community that had a presence but within the indie film community. So, like, Drew Marvick. He's massive in the indie film community. He's also a director. He made Pool Party Massacre. Okay. And he, like, if you go and you look around his social media – People love him. People love him. Plus, he's also just a nice guy, and he's very charismatic. Where's he out of? Uh, Vegas. Okay. I had uh, he's out of Vegas. He has a back uh, background in marketing, which you don't realize, but after you talk to him for 10 minutes, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You've been mm. working on this brand for five years, and everybody <laughs> loves you. And like, he's made one film. He goes to cons as a guest. He yeah. understands that angle of it. And if you understand that, I feel like that's that's everything. That That is the key. Yeah. 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 But it's somebody telling you, right? Because you learned from that yeah. aspect of it, yeah. of what he did. Yeah. And now uh, we're all taking it, right? right. Even, even our listeners can say, how do you, how do you market well, that? Well, speaking of which, uh, not not so much marketing, but speaking of starting out, how did you get your start making films? Yeah, so um, I was 35 before I ever touched a camera. I wanted to much earlier, but I kind of came from a family. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Very blue-collar. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't even like spoken, but it wasn't really encouraged to do anything artistic at all. I understand that very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And up until a couple of years ago, one of my friends who's also a collaborator, Brian Davis, who you probably know. I feel like everybody in St. Louis knows him. But that Brian Logic Davis? Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 oh, yes, man. yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, every, almost everybody knows Brian. Yeah. Never, never met him, never worked yeah. with him, but... But he's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah seems yeah. like a pretty awesome dude. <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. He's a martial artist, a stunt guy, he's actor. He was in my first film. He He's worked on all of my films, one way, shape, or form. Around... 35, I picked up a camera and I started shooting weddings and then I started making short films at home. It was really just me and a couple friends. They were god awful. I mean, they were so. So, where did that come from, though? Like, uh, so the desire was always there. Okay. I always wanted to. Thinking back, like when I was like 10, 11, 12, we would recreate and reenact like Young Guns, which was like a favorite movie of mine. Yeah. yeah. And like, I didn't really even want to be playing, I wanted to tell everyone what to do. And then I'd be like, yeah, but then why don't you run over here and use the shotgun on this guy? And I was Already like, that a director. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about that. I was like, holy shit. Like, that's that's exactly what I was trying to do at like 10, 11, 12. Here we are now, so many years later. I had a goal when I first started at 35 to do my first feature at five years. Okay. And I didn't know how ambitious that was. And it kind of was. I hit the goal. And here we are. And we've shot two more films. One of them will be out this year, and then the other one will be out next year. Okay, so you got one out now, yeah, and two, yeah. In and two post. in post, okay. yeah, 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 and that's the, the that's the limit of post I want to be on. <laughs> two, at <laughs> same, two at the same time. Yeah. yeah how yeah, was yeah. that? Uh, yeah. How was that first feature film experience? Tell us a little bit about that. It was incredibly difficult for so many reasons. So we shot it over nine months. Three of those months were uh, COVID, so mm. it was like six oh. months, and then so it was three months. A three-month break, and then another three months. So, you know, we were shooting mostly one day a week. It was Everybody was voluntary. Uh, I do not recommend doing a film that way. We did luck out in the sense that everyone stuck with it. No one dropped, not a single person dropped out of it. It wasn't perfect, but considering the amount of money we had and the level of experience that I had in particular, it works for what it is. It's a tribute to, like, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s exploitation films. Okay. It serves its purpose in mm-hmm. that regard. I'm sure. still I'm still very, very proud of it. There's flaws. Of course there's flaws. It's the first film. There's so many things that I would have... Even sometimes, like, I've, I've went back through and rewatched it, and I'm like, oh, I really wish I had that one shot right there. Yeah. You know, so we talk about on our podcast uh, earlier about if you would have had more money, mm-hmm. would you have done it different, or be so inexperienced that it didn't matter? Oh, I totally would have done it different. Yeah, really? no, 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 d- definitely. I feel like one thing that's really good is to recognize what your strong suits are, and one of my very strong suits are bringing people together and getting the best that I can get for whatever I have available to get the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to bring people together when you have no money. Yes, and then have them keep showing up. Is really difficult. It's it's kind of it's pretty crazy that everyone stuck with it really over that period of time. So if I'd have had more money, yeah, I would. There would have been a lot more, a lot of things done differently for it, sure. Do you think it would have been better? That's a tough question. Yeah. I I don't know that it would have been much better. I know we would have tried things differently. The practical effects would have been significantly better. More money would have been put into them. Fight choreography would have been done different. Again, I worked with Brian Davis. He does an amazing job. But we're talking about fight choreography where we spent, at most, four hours going over a fight, another four hours practicing at a different time, and then we shot it. Sometimes it was we spent an hour before we shot it and then did it. 
as opposed to something like John Wick, where they have yeah. <laughs> months upon months of practice. Training. Tra- right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, there's a huge difference. I think for Rhineland, that's uh, my second feature, is World War II feature film. We put the actors through a boot camp mm-hmm. of one weekend. Yeah. Which is all we had. Yeah. yeah. And then, then it's go, baby. So I understand that that very well. That but even that is so much more than what the average filmmaker making their second film would probably do. I, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It, I, I guess it depends. I feel like talking to you guys, you handle it differently than a lot of people do, especially maybe in St. Louis. I'm, again, I'm not dogging St. Louis filmmakers. I just think that you take it more serious. Well, we try to. But but we also value the experience and understand what the experience did for us. Yeah. Because you can sit here and honestly say, it is what it is. Oh, for sure. what I did, what I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And money would have changed the things I knew how to change. Yeah. Didn't change your experience. Right. Because you needed that. No, and that's an important consideration. That's that's what I want our audience to understand. The the first film from a first-time filmmaker, I think it should be that way. You shouldn't have all the money in the world. It should be more of a struggle because you're going to learn so much more doing something like that. And no offense to Lena Dunham, but her first film, I think it was Tiny Furniture or something like Mm -hmm. that. She had money, she had resources, she had everything. So it's really tough to talk about the struggle. Yeah, I mean, maybe you you make your first movie with all the resources in the world and you still fuck up, but man, it's just so much better to make it with basically nothing. You learn so much when you look back and said, wow, I would have done all this differently, but I'm so glad I did it the way I did because I learned what to do and more importantly, what not to do. Yeah. I think that's I think that's important. Honestly, if I was gonna go back and redo like my first film, I would have spent probably a third of the money that I spent on it, maybe a half, because yeah. I like I spent a lot on sound, which was important. important. It's ah. very very important. What a Greg is key. No no no. <laughs> One of it's, my pillars. Right it's, it's, pillars. It, that's it, it honestly pillars. is something that so many filmmakers just decide. No, oh, it's not that important. Yep. And it, it is. I'm telling you, it's so important. It's it's more important than the picture. Yes. It, hey, there so, we go. Yeah, it, James D. Yeah. We heard it here for it's, us. It's more important. It Greg has finally been validated. <laughs> yeah. No, your pillars. He's no, he's right. No, I mean, yeah, one of the podcasts sure. he talks about is. What are your pillars, though? What would you say? So now, sound we know. Well, yeah. What, what I said, uh, just giving examples. I said the in my in my opinion, the importance of film production is this. Story, acting, production design, audio, picture. It, it's so hard to pick like an order because I feel like they all kind of... They, they're all important. Yeah, they all, they're all important, but they also all lean on each other. They do. Kind of, and they all kind of inform each other. I think sound is way up there. And I think the number one thing that you want to do is entertain. And if you're not entertaining someone, they're going to stop watching. So yes. story. So story. Story. So story. story. Yeah, so yeah. story's up there for sure. Yeah. Uh, so sound, story. The picture's in there somewhere. You know, I, I, it's I, important, yeah, right? It's yeah. a movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I always yeah. say, it's a movie. It's supposed to look good. Yeah. So yeah. focus on all the other stuff yeah. first. Yeah. You know, nobody cares yeah. if you're shooting on a new red BFG 9000 camera yeah. Yeah. if the sound sucks. Yeah, no, you're or the right. story's bad. Or the story's bad. Because they're going to turn you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you get to your visual, actual visual We interviewed a guy, I don't remember his name, but he had distribution and like the movie was pretty it was pretty good it was okay you know it was an indie film and uh they shot on gh5s and panasonic gh5s and yeah. now you probably get those for like 700 800 dollars yeah. you know probably and i mean like they still shot log you'd still do a lot they're not as forgiving in post so you can't stretch them this way or that way as much yeah right but if you know what you're doing or if you have people around you that know what they're doing which is 
more often than not the most important thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is because you can't know everything. Speaking of that, yeah. have you have you used the same crew for your films? Mostly. Uh, things have definitely changed a little bit. Uh, we were severely understaffed with Triple uh, Xmas for sure. It was very shoestring as far as hmm. the amount of people that were behind the scenes as far as crew. I had Andrew Clewin as a DP for Fontaine and Absolution, and then Daniel Garza had helped DP part of Absolution, which is the one that'll be the third film that comes out. Uh, Daniel Garza had way more time available, so he stepped in for Triple Xmas. It's interesting because like people have asked me like as far as equipment and as far as like renting lights and everything. For the most part, now I know enough people, and between myself and other people that I know, we can kind of pull our resources together and right. we have what it takes. Very yeah. key on independent film. Yes. Know it's, who has what. It's, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very, very key yeah. for sure. Just being able to do that goes such a long way. But mm -hmm. I think in the future moving forward, I want to continue to push and grow and I want to make sure that we have a more well-rounded crew. Not that we weren't able to do... We, honestly, Triple Xmas is something that, like, with the amount of time that we had shooting it, it's damn near impossible. And, like, people have told me it's a miracle. I don't believe in God, but <laughs> I do think I believe in miracles after shooting this. Yeah. We did 79 pages in nine days. Wow. That's... And... That's pretty good. For, yeah, that's but, a clip. Or by, pretty bad. I don't by, know. No, that's... no, no. By comparison, by comparison, we shot 29 days for Fontaine, right? And that was about 80 pages. How many minutes is how many minutes is Fontaine? It's now? about 84. Okay. Now, so, I will say there's 38 kills and there's a lot of sword fights and stuff of that nature, a lot of ki kills, practical effects and fights. So, there was a a steep learning curve learning how to shoot fighting, mm -hmm. which if you've never done it or if you have never directed it, it's Especially on a, on a budget. There's difference between shooting it, John Wick, yeah. and, you know, on a budget. Yeah. It's a lot of work on a budget. Yeah, yeah. It's it, You have to hide so much. So, with with Triple Xmas, mm -hmm. you ran a pretty successful Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we ran a totally unsuccessful Indiegogo campaign for the finishing funds for Red Knight at Skies. It completely tanked. Uh, what is your secret? Right. Okay, so I... I'm considering running a finishing funds campaign also for Triple Xmas. We'll see. I'm not 100% sure I'm going to do that. All right. But uh, I've noticed in general, finishing funds campaigns, you do not raise as much okay. as the initial campaign. I've noticed that just across the board. I feel like there's no shortcuts with the Indiegogo and no. raising the funds. I spent, so originally it was a 30-day campaign. That was my intention. It was stretched to 60 days because I realized quickly... We were not on track. Okay, so there's so much information. I feel like I could do like an hour on this, but I'm trying to give you like the, the things that stand out in my head. I spent six hours a day on this Indiegogo. Wow. Between marketing, thinking of new ways to bring up the film on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, that wasn't like, hey, just come donate. Because that doesn't work. No. no. It, it's nice at first, but then like finding new ways to talk about it or compare it to something else you've just watched, that is like, I feel like that's key to like marketing half the time. <laughs> right. So six hours a day is a full-time job. Yeah. Right. So uh, the one thing that I did that most people wouldn't want to do is directly messaging people. I did that. I didn't, I didn't harass anyone. I didn't repeatedly message anyone, but I brought the attention to the campaign. Facebook allows you 150 messages a day, and then they block you for messaging. The reason I know that? I messaged 150 people a day for 60 days straight. Mm. They were never the same people. They were all people that were on my friends list. I will say from the beginning of the campaign to the end, I probably increased my friends list by 2,000 people. One thing that really seemed to help me is instead of just randomly reaching out to people, I looked at other indie films that ran Indiegogos 
I looked at their IMDb. I looked at the associate producers, executive producers, all the producers. I cross-referenced that on Facebook. Friend requested them and then sent them a message, not asking for money necessarily, just saying, hey, we have this film. We have these people attached. I already had the forms signed so I could use their names and likeness to promote it. Right. Um, I said, you know, these people are attached. This is what the film is. This is our message. Check it out if you could. If something is of interest, come aboard. And that was like that was it. There's a lot more to it. This was your first campaign. It was my first campaign. So you went yeah. all in. Yeah, right. For sure. Yeah. What? Why did you decide to do that and not go the investor route? Where because we went the investor right. route. Right. Yeah. I mean, what? The, the short of it is, is I knew people that had ran the campaigns, and they were successful. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've known people that have ran them and not been successful. Also, yeah. my buddy who was co-host of the film hacks, Chris Rupert. He had actually paid for someone to give him like a rundown of like advanced or whatever. It was, you know, like you pay someone and they consult with the campaign. Mm -hmm. I sat in on that for free. I didn't pay a dime. So I had a little bit of inside information that way. Uh, In general, you should have a team of at least three people doing what I did. Not just me doing it. You should have three people. Okay. And that'll greatly improve your chances. If you raise 30% in the first day... Indiegogo will tell you that you have something like a 95% chance that you will reach your goal. Hmm. So the key is not to launch it and then start reaching out to people. I didn't do this successfully, by the way. I'm just letting you know. But this is what you should do. You should have people ready to contribute day one. Ah. Like, you need to have been doing all this work. I always thought that because somebody doesn't want to look at a $10,000 goal and see $10 10 days in. Right. They want to look at a $10,000 thing that has $9,000 or whatever. You said 33% or whatever, but that makes a lot of sense. We raised raised $32,000 and some change, $33,000. 10,000 of it was in the last three days. So how much did you basically have have raised before you started? Zero. No, meaning <laughs> how many people did you reached out to say, hey, can you contribute to this immediately? Right. Um, zero. Zero. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, because you said you didn't do that, I right? I did not do it right. Oh, you right. didn't do that. I did right. not but do that. Hence, you did 60 days, so your first 30 days was really doing that. <laughs> I mean, kind of, kind of. The thing that I did capitalize on was having specific names that bring up interest in the community. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, Dolly Lee, she has, and this is just a fact, she has 300,000 Instagram followers. That did not hurt my cause. Right. And she posted, she was very willing to post about it. Now, I won't say, I I will say, she didn't get the response I was anticipating early on. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that support her, and this is just a guess, they support her and like her because they can go to a site and watch her, um, you know, her sex work for free. You know? Yeah. And I mean, there's there are some people that contributed to the campaign because of her, because they like her and they're interested in her and they wanted to see her in a horror film for the first time. Right. And there were people that did that. Uh, Drew Marvick, huge following that's very, very passionate about it. We also picked up Felissa Rose. I announced her around the halfway mark that she was involved. You know, you list all that on there and then you make these announcements and with making these new announcements, it generates more buzz and more see, we interest. Didn't, we didn't do as bad as I thought based off of what he's saying, how much time he put in. True, because yeah. our, ours brand for 29 days right right and then how much did you how much time did you put in each day not 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 six hours that's what i'm saying it's 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 one of those things it's like we thought of everything you said yeah yeah. we couldn't do it this movie for sure in a lot of ways just has overcome challenge after challenge for sure you know uh nine day shoot from conception and writing five drafts 
five drafts. I wrote the first draft, and then my co-writer, Louis Otero, who also co-wrote uh, Fontaine and the Vengeful Nun Who Wouldn't Die, he went through and wrote two or three drafts, and I went back in and wrote another draft. And, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't just go with the first draft. No. But from start to finish, f- four months, and we had it in the can. And that's pretty crazy. I have probably 75% of it rough cut. Okay. So, like, not bad. My, my main concern is sound. Because I don't want to skimp on sound. Yeah. Um, and then I know how long things take with regards to submitting it to a distributor. I have no interest in, in like festivals. I've just never had an interest in festivals. Nothing against anyone that does do festivals because that seems to be a very popular thing. I feel like in some ways, especially the big ones, it's just like going around and like asking people to jerk you off and tell you how great <laughs> you are. And I don't need to know that because I don't, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I have much of an ego. I don't need to know that I'm good or if I'm not good. I don't need to know that. I, yeah, it, it's... You bring up a good point because a lot of independent filmmakers don't know, yeah. right? Does the festivals become distribution? Does distribution yeah. help festivals, right? That so well, I, I'm glad you have a strategy. You're sticking yeah. to it. Come hell or high water, there, that's what you're doing. There is the the flip side to that, and that is that a lot of actors and a lot of people that are on screen want to do those things. Sure, and they want to be involved in those Visibility. things. Visibility, right? Right, for sure. And so, like that has made me also slow down and think about that a little differently. Uh, I don't see Triple X miss going to festivals. There won't be time. It's just straightforward. You know, the other film, Absolution, maybe. Because there'll be way more time. Well, here's the thing about festivals. Yeah. Unless you're in the top tier ones. Right. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. And because we've gone to festivals, even, you know, locally, where it's been a blowout night and everyone loved it and everyone kisses your ass and, you know, how come you're not in Hollywood and blah, blah, blah. Then the next day, the very next day, you get up and go back to your fucking job. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. And it, it, you're right. It, it's it's an ego boost thing, but that's at least how it used to be. Yeah, that's what they kind of told you the path was. Like, yeah, oh right, well, right. you got to go to festivals and you got to try to get theatrical distribution and blah blah blah. It doesn't really work that way anymore. The thing that I'm more interested in is less festivals and more conventions because I feel yes. like yeah. those are the people I want to reach. Knowing knowing your target audience so important with marketing with filmmaking like knowing who you're trying to reach you can't reach someone if you like if i just fucking dial numbers randomly who am i gonna get i don't know but if i know the phone number then all i have to do is pick up the phone and dial it you know it's like so like i feel like conventions a lot of those horror fans they want the kind of stuff that i'm trying to make and so that is something i'm much more interested in as far as like showing films at conventions i haven't yet but that's like next year is a big plan of mine is to get it into more, like to, to start putting my films in conventions and just going and representing and going and getting tables. Cause I've seen a lot of filmmakers who've not just gained like fans that way, but also have networked with other indie filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start supporting each other, you know, like, you know, when your film comes out, just being on here, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to just, just by doing this podcast, oh, sure, right? yeah. I'm going to, and not just one share is I'll try to promote it as much as possible. Cause I know the struggle, you right. know, <laughs> And I want, you know, I want people to succeed, especially when they're trying really hard. Now, do I have enough of a following to make a difference? Probably not. But if five more people watch your movie because of that, cool. What right. I do, I just shared it, you yes. know, and it's bringing a little more attention to it. So did your first movie go to distribution? Did you have an experience with that? What did you do with your first yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. So I took it straight to Film Hub. And if I could have, I would have skipped that process altogether. Okay. My plan was to completely go self-distribution. Tubi, Amazon, they started cutting 
the the avenues in which to go and do it yourself like uh, maybe a year i think is what i was reading up on about a year beforehand so okay. let me ask you this real quick why did you think with the first time filmmaker cuz most first time filmmakers have a completely different thought about distribution mm-hmm. why did you immediately think i want to self distribute i think cuz i'm i've been self employed my entire life and i look at how much the companies take and what they actually do that's a whole another topic, though, like yeah. predatory. Oh. And I heard you guys talking a little bit about it, but yeah. like, that's one thing. Anyone listening, you have to be aware. If you're an indie filmmaker and someone's reaching out to you for your film, they're probably not legitimate. You're probably not going to can with these this, your first film, no. right? The, 99.9% of people aren't. No, they're so, legitimate in the sense they are an actual distributor, yeah. but they're not going to pay you anything. And there's a thousand ways that they can... Screw you. Yes. Legally. 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 Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 So after you sign the contract, they can say, oh, yeah, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you 80% or 70%. It doesn't matter what the percentage is. If they have somewhere in there that they, you know, they have discretionary on what the marketing budget is, they have another LLC that does all the marketing. Right. And they bill their other company. $30,000 $30,000 yes, yeah. knowing that your, your, your movie's never going to make that and they're, they're covered. They're just handing money from one of their... So how did you know that before you went... I did a lot of research. Because a lot of people learned right. by doing it, right. which is our, our journey, yeah. right? And yeah. now we understand. I'm actually looking forward to the distribution process because yeah. I understand the control now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just to have yeah. that fun with them, yeah. to ask the important questions, yeah, yeah. to see what they say. I, I did a lot of research and then I was also, I guess about six months into the podcast that we were doing at the time and just talking to a lot of different filmmakers and a lot of different avenues they were going from, you know, putting it on YouTube or Amazon or Tubi or, you know, it... it that really helped. But the research, like looking into different companies. I remember um, Brian Davis, who I absolutely love. Yeah. He uh, called me one morning. It was like fucking six in the morning. He's like, man, I just I just got fr- I just got an email from Octane. Ah, I think it was Octane. High Octane Pictures. High Octane yeah. Pictures. He's like, man, they, they're interested in the movie. Oh. And, I, you know, he was so excited. I didn't want to break his heart. But I was like, who cares? I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. You and because, the 14 other people they called this morning. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's super exciting when you've put everything you have into your film first film third it doesn't matter when you have someone interested that's awesome it is but it's not also because unless they're a really big company what are they going to do at most they're going to get it on a streaming service but are they going to you may no longer they need a thousand to get a hundred to get ten to get one they're going to chuck it in their catalog and hope that it hits for them and then you sign for five or ten years yeah and in the reality of in the first 60 days you're Film so freaking far buried yeah. down there yeah. that unless it is the one right. film. Right. Right. Now, now it, on the flip side of that, I will say that I had a very negative outlook on distribution companies. My buddy, Chris Rupert, who I've mentioned a couple times, co-host of the Film Hacks, he went through 1091 pictures. And over a period of a year, he made like four documentaries. They were very quick turnarounds for him and his uh, business partner. And they had some really, I mean, like some of them, some of the docs did poorly. Yeah. But one or two did ten thousand a month for the first three or four months. And that's, nice. all, and that's all you need. Right. When you spent a weekend filming it and one month editing it, that's not bad. No, it, for it, an it indie filmmaker, right? It yeah. can happen, and there's sure. there's some legit companies out right. there. And if if you got some quality stuff, right. yeah. there's money to be made. You know, sometimes it's also just a roll of the dice. You know, there are things that people don't consider. Like I just learned something recently about uh, when you're naming your film, you probably if you're wanting to get it seen and you want the average person scrolling through the catalog, if it's alphabetical, 
you know, the chances are much greater that you're going to get seen if you're if the movie starts with an A through D. But you're looking at it from a uh, like an AVOD point of view, right? Right. From right yeah. from going yeah. from yeah. streaming or those kind of things. Currently, though, the best streaming service I've come across, other than people actually renting your your movie, is going to be Tubi. And even Tubi, I'm sure you know this. At best, is paying ten cents for an hour. Yeah, and that's the best case scenario. See, they're also talking the formula that says now you have to write and make movies that the first ten minutes are the best part of the movie, so people stay interested. Yep. Because if they turn it off too soon, you don't get paid at all. So if you put your movie on there and it's trending better than my movie, mm-hmm. you're going to get paid more per minute or per hour than I am because your movie's trending and it leads to the person watching the whole thing and then because they watch the whole thing they may stick around for another film that's going to be recommended yeah so how well how much how long people stick around through the film also apparently dictates the amount they pay you and there's really nowhere in not nothing I put with film hub it doesn't say anything about how they pay out right you know, I mean, like Film Hub's very transparent with their, you know, how they're paid and then how they turn around and pay it. But nothing as far as how much per hour, because Tubi's not going to give you that information because it's going to vary. They're going to change it as they want to change it. Have yeah. you have you done okay with Fountain? Um, I mean, so I spent forty grand of my own money on it. That's a lot. That's too much for a first film. No, thanks for no, being transparent. No, though. for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Five thousand of that did go to the Blu-rays. So and so far, it's made around thirty-three hundred dollars. Now of that. 2,000 of that was through Blu-rays. Yeah. That I sold directly from my site or through people that knew me. Ooh. Yeah. So the streaming is about... Convention's going to help that. Right, right. So, okay, so the reason the Blu-rays were so expensive is I was trying to think long-term. You know, going to conventions, and then the more films I have, I'll be able to, one, start building the brand recognition, and two, you know, if someone's interested in Triple Xmas because they recognize Drew and Felissa... And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I love them. And I, oh, I didn't know you made this movie, and I've, I've heard about it. I want to buy this. And then I show them this crazy movie about a one-eyed nun that goes around hunting clergy and, and fucking Nazis. I mean, that's kind of not that far off from a crazy killer Santa. Like, right. oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And I'm sitting there making a deal, two for 30, instead of, you know, one for 20. And right. They're Look, just sitting in fucking boxes at that point anyway. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Do you think physical media is still viable? I think it depends on the genre you're working in. And I think it depends on what your target audience is. I think for Triple Xmas and for Fontaine, the vengeful nun who wouldn't die, absolutely. For Absolution, probably not. That's my. That's the other movie. But it's also like a revenge thriller that's more in line with something like Blue Ruin. I don't know if you're familiar yes, with that. Yes, very familiar uh, with Blue Ruin. It's much more slow, slower paced, and it's much more placed in like reality as opposed to the other movies I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What made you go in that direction? I don't want to make one kind of film. If I wanted to be constrained a type of films I was making, I would try to get like an agent maybe, or I would try to get a manager or I would try to like find some sort of representation and then maybe go and do things through studios. I have no interest in being told what I can and cannot do. I want to do what I want to do. And I love all film. I'm working on a couple things. One one script idea I have is uh, something that my co-writer is working on as a a story about a punk band and demons. Another one is um, that I'm working on is prom night massacre. Those are both horror 80s kind of infused kind of films. But I'm also working on a script that is like a comedy drama about a guy who's in his in his mid forties who you know suffered a loss of like his best friend. He's just never grew up. Yeah. And I don't want someone to tell me that I can't do that. If I want to do it, I want to do it. I do have a concern about brand recognition, creating a brand, and then people expecting the same thing over and over. That is one thing that I'm not. I don't know exactly how to navigate yet. No, yeah. but that's not unusual because we think the exact yeah. same thing well, about. 
We started, I, I definitely started making various types of films, yeah. and I've slowly just kind of brought it down to we're just doing action horror. Yeah. You know, because our first film was like kind of a neo-noir gangster film and made a World War II film, right. very different. And right. then we did a mockumentary, straight up comedy, yeah. and yeah. then a zombie movie, and then another mockumentary. So yeah. it, it was definitely more all over the place. Yeah. And so then slowly just been kind of dialing into, I don't want to say what sells but no 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 brand brand recognition brand recognition marketability to establish right right Th so there's also this thing like okay so you want to make the art you want to make right yes. but in order to make that art you have to be able to sell some of it yes right and so you don't want to like be a quote sellout but you have to think about what the audience is buying and you have to think about how you can make the art you want to make but still sell it yes because how long can someone sustain coming out of pocket on films i'm not i'm not a super wealthy person i don't like right now currently i'm making not very much money you know like right. I, but if you're putting 20 grand a year into film it's well below average it's well even twenty thousand <laughs> for a film is not right. is that right. if that's what you meant yeah yeah or, yeah you know, that yeah. doesn't get you anywhere yeah i do feel like i'm kind of i'm not gonna say i stumbled upon it but one thing that i feel really good about is the indiegogo because i've seen other people raise 50,000 say fifty thousand dollars which is not what we raised and then the next one they raised eighty thousand dollars so this one we raised 33 if the next one we can raise 50 then we're you know we're trending upward and it's nice to be able to have that up front you sure you have some deliverables yeah but it's not you know it's not as much as you know it's it, you have to watch what you're doing i guess right. in advance but it's not as much as it has to be you know and then if you can take that leverage the names that you have involved and this is my goal eventually then also bring in outside equity then you're really fucking firing on all cylinders because right. you have the support of people cuz the indiegogo it won't just be that people financially supported us they're all invested like emotionally, they want to see this succeed, so they're gonna share it. They're gonna talk about it. They're gonna promote it. One of the guys that came on board as a producer, he asked me up front. He said, "Can I come on for less than what you're what you're asking for?" But and here's the big thing: I have a page that has over a hundred thousand followers, and I want you to check this page out because I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. We have a lot of interaction, and I've seen his post. And some of his posts get thousands of shares. Right. I mean, that's key. That's and that's worth whatever you paid. Right, right. Paid. So he, you know, he got a slightly discounted rate. But, like, he's a huge supporter of indie film. And he, you know, so it's, it's right. kind of a win-win. And I just asked the guys, like, hey, I know it's not a slasher film, but the last film we made, I know you're not a producer on it. Man, you want to you make a post about that, too? So now this week he's making a post about Fontaine. Nice. It all kind of hopefully ties together. Yeah. I mean, you know, like um, he definitely took a business as like approach yeah. to it yeah. with which the is very smart, very smart. Right, I'm yeah. learning a ton from you, and I know a lot of people listening are going to learn a ton from what you're saying here about because we've done it all. Right, we're in your boat. Yeah, but you talking about how you did your Indiegogo, we yeah. did it. I'm excited about Indiegogo again. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't want to do it. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. It's, but I'm excited. Ours, about ours was such a terrible experience. No. But I think yes, if we would have talk to you ahead of time mm -hmm. we would have done things very differently right it's it, it was so stressful to me because i had people involved and i'm not throwing any I, i'm i'm never the person that says i did everything sure I don't, I don't like that approach I, I love letting other people have credit when they do stuff you know i had people that were involved that i think because of what the film was also that it was working with sex workers yeah they had a hard time getting 100 percent on board with trying to promote it openly because of family friends 
Sure. Yeah. You know, and I get it. I get, it would have been nice if they had brought that up in advance, if I'm just being honest. Because yeah. I was I thought they were going to be one of those three. Having that team is so important. And also, not just having that three-person team, but if you guys have the same exact friends and you're reaching out to the same exact people, you might as well just count yourself as one. No, no, no. You you're really you're need, saying a lot you, of yeah. stuff that you really, really need a makes different sense. reach. Yeah. 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 We, got, so, we always say breaking out of the bubble, the circle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. whatever you want to call that we're yeah. in, because we found the same people are sharing yeah. the same things. It's just going around in this... Yeah. And I'm kind of outside. Brock's got a few things outside. We got a little bit outside, yeah. but not much. You probably went into a pre-production to do Indiegogo. I mean, you really, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, really yeah, sat yeah. down. and Yeah, we definitely, we had some things ready, but again, part of the reason that I was doing six hours a day was I didn't have enough ready. I should have had more. No matter right. how much you have available, you should have so much art. You should have way more. You should have the entire campaign planned out in advance. Yeah. And I didn't do that properly. The next one, I guarantee you, I will. I'll right. have all the artwork, all the new announcements of new perks and everything. You have to keep people excited and like wondering what's next or something new. If you're just posting the same thing over and over. But you also got to get outside of the, the family and friends right. who are going to give you five bucks anyway. Right. right. And get into those indie circles right. and get that one right. excitement or understand like you got that one guy to say, hey, I'm in, yeah. but I got to. I can give you more by giving you 100,000 so, people. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So one thing that I find really interesting, um, I sent press kits out. I heard you talking about press kits mm-hmm. uh, on one of your episodes. I sent press kits out to, I mean, probably like 80 or 100 different outlets. I don't think a single one picked it up. Yeah. I was messaging people directly on Facebook and a few on Twitter, but mostly on Facebook. And statistically, you're always going to do better on Facebook with Indiegogo, approaching people. I stumbled upon a writer for Room Org, and he's he's like, well, let me let me see if I can't do something for you here. And so they put something on Room Org for us, you know, like that was awesome. There was another person that had written, uh, and not that like Fontaine has a whole lot of written reviews, but someone who really had liked Fontaine, they made a post about it, and this was while the campaign was going on for Triple Xmas. And I saw the guy make a post and I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, I know you write for this outlet. I know you liked my last film. Maybe you could uh, write something for the next, you know, on your, on your site. And he didn't have a huge site, but I don't care. And you know, he, he said straight up, he said, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to make it in time, but I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll pick up one of your perks. And then I was driving home. I was like, okay, cool. I appreciate it. You know, thank you. I mean, thank you. Sure, Sure, yeah. And I figured, okay, he picked up a Blu-ray for $45. I got the email. He came on as an executive producer. I didn't know this guy from anywhere. It was just a shot in the dark because he'd he'd written a positive review about Fontaine. And he he put $1,300 into the film. I'm like, holy shit. You know, like... Those were the things that gave me life. Like, it was such a fucking roller coaster. No, it's war- it, was, yeah. right. it was a roller right. coaster. Right, no, it resuscitates you and yeah. goes, now nah, I can go back out and send 100 more emails when I get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it was a roller coaster of emotions for sure. And I didn't know towards the end. I was like, we have three days left and, like, $7,500 to to hit. Because to, to, we also had a fixed campaign. Uh, you can do a flex, flexible or a fixed. And fixed means if you don't hit your target, You're you don't just get anything. Don't get anything. Right. Mm. Right. And I did fixed. I don't know why. I know why I did fixed. It was stupid, but I shouldn't have done fixed. <laughs> well, it worked out, though. Yeah, it, it, it did work out, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess it worked out. Yeah, you no, can say I, I, I yeah. really appreciate your grind and that, no, people I mean, understanding because I did not understand that it took that much to do. I mean, I did. I'm not, yeah. I'm not naive to think it didn't, but hearing it from you direct and everybody out there that's thinking about Indiegogo right, right. on how you thought you had to be successful from mm-hmm. what you had to do. Right. Because you do anything less than that, you don't get the results. Right, right. And again, if 
there's anything I would do differently, I would have spent more time in pre-production Which would for have probably Indiegogo. made that a little easier on would the back. Would have made it way yeah, easier. Right, right. Way easier, for sure. And, yeah, I think that would have been everything. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Do you think starting later in life as a filmmaker mm -hmm. and coming from a blue-collar background, do you think that gave you a leg up? I don't think it really matters where you come from. I think if you're determined and you can pull upon your strengths. So I have a little bit of management experience. Mm -hmm. I've had employees. Of course, there's always that person out there that says you know maybe if you had someone that knew how they were to do this you know like but the but people talking about that kind of stuff from the outside they have no idea yeah how many yeah. times have you heard that someone many. said you know if you'd have we, directed this differently we, we speak are you kidding me all right right well why don't you go make your own goddamn movie then you know <laughs> right and then we'll compare notes once you do right, it right. come back <laughs> have you ever had this i will talk to you then <laughs> have you ever and i don't i don't <laughs> discount anybody man yeah, right, i, I right. appreciate anyone's help but have you ever been on a set where you've had an extra come up to you and start telling you, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you try doing this instead? Yeah, I, uh, I haven't had an extra do that. I've, I, I mean, but I've, yeah, I've had, I've had, yeah, I've had people closer to me who thought they knew. Yeah. Well, yeah. once you got it set up, you got it written, you raised all the money, you yeah. got it all set up, you got it to that point, yeah. so they can come in and go, why don't you do it this way? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> no, like, I've, sir, I've... you are a member of a crowd in a boxing scene. While I appreciate yeah. your input, yeah. kindly shut the fuck up and let me do my thing. <laughs> it, it's so tough. Because I absolutely love collaboration. Sure. And I think that anytime collaboration occurs, something happens. It just makes it better. Yes. There's like that magic starts to come about. But there's also times where someone comes up with an idea that is so far off from your vision. It's like, okay, I appreciate what you're saying. I really do. But we're going to do this. <laughs> but there's a time and place for everything. True. And knowing True. that True. and what you're dealing with, yeah. especially in independent film, especially why you came out to the set and where you stand in that circle or that right. collaboration. Yeah. 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 It's... I, I think being super collaborative also can sometimes give people a different impression that, you know, they can just come in and like, you have to know also, Hey, I love everyone's input, but I don't need any more input. I just need my DP's input. And I don't need anyone else to tell me or talk about it right now because this is something that needs to be figured out right away. Right. And it's me and a DP situation. And ultimately, I'm going to go with what they say. Yeah. Because they're the person that I have shooting the film and working on this. And if it's something like glaring that I don't like, I'll address that. But I don't need everyone else coming in with their opinion right now. Yeah. My <laughs> approach has always been, hey, we're going to do what we have planned first. Yeah. And after we get that done... And we know we have it. Yeah. Then we'll we'll open up the floor. I absolutely love that, especially with actors. Now, sometimes what I have planned is just made so much better because an actor comes up with an idea. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, like more often than not, you know, lots and, of times. Yeah. You, know, you want them to be able to stretch and be yes. themselves and yes. do their craft, yeah. Yeah. right? Because yeah, that adds. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that's it's so funny. I learned that and during making the short films. When I was making short films, I was like, I want it done this way, specifically this way. I was doing line reads with actors. And then now I'm like, oh my god, I was a huge asshole. Like I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't even get it. I'm like, I'm having these guys, people come in, and I want them to do it a very specific way and a very specific manner, and it's taking all the art and craft out of it for them. It gave them no flexibility. Yeah. Right. And I mean, again, that was the first couple projects, and I learned very quickly. I was like, that was yeah. stupid. Building block to learn right. in order to make things better in the right. Yeah. We did things like I, everybody knew their roles, but when it came down to company stuff. Mm -hmm. It was the three of us. Yeah. Right? When it came down to production, it was yeah. the producers, which was the three of us. Yeah. yeah. But when it came down to artistic DP stuff, me and Brock, we just stayed out of the way because that wasn't our call. Right. That wasn't yeah. our, you know, we have to live in that world. And then I knew my place and where to approach 
the other owners or say, hey, the marketability of this or being able to approach it from right. a business sense yeah. to go, hey, if we did this, these are hoops we're going to have to jump through with SAG. Yeah. So I thought we had a good balance yeah, in yeah. understanding where the roles were on set. This was one of the first <clears throat> times out of, uh, what, seven features that we've done that I actually felt like I pretty much got to do my job. Yeah. I didn't have to wear 15 different hats. Yeah, that's a, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a biggie for me. And it's, again minimum i feel like i'm always wearing three to five hats yeah, yeah. and it's so tough because the more you get stretched in different directions you can't concentrate on this one thing that you're trying to do yeah. and it's pretty important when you're the captain of the ship and you're trying to like keep it on track because no, direct- you can't you can't row and steer no no the director yeah. has one job and that job is to direct the actors yeah, yeah. and on indie film you're not usually doing that one job. You're doing seven jobs. Yeah. And all of them kind of suffer as a result. Yeah. And then ultimately, when the film is done, you're like, oh, I wish I could have done this. Wish I could have done that. And it's really easy for someone to be hypercritical. Sure. Well, this feels like it didn't really have firm direction. This was that block. Yeah, it's easy to criticize shit, buddy, when you're not there. Right. right. I had someone watch 30-something minutes of Fontaine, and then they didn't like it because it's an exploitation film, and it does involve, uh, it involves a lot of fucked up shit, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I totally get it. But they started, so they, they watched 30 minutes of it, and then they recorded a 70-minute podcast on the 30 minutes they watched uh. and talked about it. I was like, you spent more time on your <laughs> podcast talking about the 30 minutes. And some of the stuff they were complaining about actually was answered in the last, you know, 60 minutes of the film. But they didn't spend the time to watch it. I was like, I don't mind. I don't mind people turning off something I make. But why would you even record an episode on it? You then? can't like, review it doesn't... a movie you haven't seen. That's <laughs> right. A... I don't, I don't uh, yeah. get it. The yeah. whole thing, yeah. right? Because yeah. it might have been valid yeah. if they would have watched the whole thing. But that's all you ask. That's anybody asks. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. I mean, we've had some horrifically bad reviews. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just terrible, just tear it to shreds reviews. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, okay, cool. You know, you, you can't really get super mad. You can't take it personally. No. You yeah. can't you can't reach out to the person and say, hey, you weren't there. You don't know. Whatever. It's like, okay, fine. That's cool. You didn't like it. I, Tough I, had, shit. I had someone I haven't had and it's probably because I haven't had a lot of people watch the things I've made yet but I had one person say something about a short film I made this was like four years ago and I feel like this is a good way just to handle anyone that has criticism he criticized the short film it wasn't a great short film there were a lot of problems with it and my reply was something to the extent of you know I really appreciate you watching it I really appreciate you leaving a, a review of this what I think I appreciate the most is you giving me critical response or critical feedback that I can d- take home and become better. I just really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And he didn't give any kind of real, he was just talking about how it was a piece of shit. Yeah. Right? And then he's like, well, it wasn't all bad. I'm like, no, 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 thank you. Thank you. Like, you can disarm people so quickly. They're just so eager to be an asshole. Yes. You know, it's like, that's. go ahead. I'm not taking the bait. I've seen so many other filmmakers take the bait. Maybe one day I will by mistake because everyone has a bad day. But yeah. I try not to take the bait. No, but it's, you're also so self-aware easy. about what you're doing, the conditions right. you were in, and you can leave it all on the yeah. table when you're done making the yeah. movie. And that's the, I think that's the key. Someone that I talk to to this day, he also gave me feedback on the same short film. And he's a very talented filmmaker. And he asked me, do you want me to be honest with you? And I said, yeah. I mean, I don't want you to be an asshole, but I want... Because my goal this entire time, and still is, is to become a better filmmaker, right. a better storyteller. And there's things that I see, and those things I can improve on, but there's things I don't see. And those are the things, if you don't know what you're doing wrong, you can't fucking work on those things. True, right. You know? And he came to me, and he was critical, but he was kind. Six years later, I still talk to him. I still cheer him on. I still share his films. He fucking contributed to my Indiegogo. Yeah. He was nice about it. He right. was... he 
pointed out all the problems, and it was a long list. <laughs> no, but he got it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he yeah, got, yeah, he yeah, got yeah, who yeah. you were. He got what right. you were trying to do, but he yeah. also gave you what you needed. With that, I was like, it opened my eyes to six or seven things that I probably wouldn't have noticed for a couple more. My very first short film was so bad, I didn't even realize there was, a, there was like one frame missing. And like in the edit, I, even when I watched it back, I was like, why is it going black? No one's going to notice that. It's fine. <laughs> it was one frame missing. That, that was, you know, like seven, eight years ago. Right? Yeah. And it was, you know, it was a stupid little corny comedy thing about the last cup of coffee and the people in the office fighting over it and wanting to get that last cup of coffee. But there was one frame missing. <laughs> I love pointing that out because it's the dumbest thing in the world. I didn't realize you could fucking zoom in on the timeline man I, I swear to god james when i edited my first feature i cut a feature film because i didn't teach myself how to edit yeah. i did not know you could zoom in on the fucking timeline oh, no. and then a friend of mine came over and he's like because i'm like i'm trying to put this little piece in there yeah, he's yeah. like i want you just do this and he hit the, i'm like what did you just do <laughs> two seconds i'm like oh my god this would have been so much fucking easier if I could yeah. have done that, you know, yeah. because yeah. I didn't know because yeah. I taught myself how to do it. That's so Man, funny. that is hilarious that you said That's, that. It's amazing. You know, now I'm at a point where it's like, if, if you don't have a lot of editing experience, but a couple frames can make a big difference oh, in the edit. Vast. Yes. And we're talking about a fraction of a second. Here. Yes. And it's, you know, like just a couple, just a couple frames here that yeah. can make a huge difference, but... If you can't fucking zoom in on the timeline, yeah, you can't like, man, how do I how do I put that piece <laughs> in there? I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, no, you're stupid. Do this. I'm like, oh shit. Well, that changed everything. But I think that's like part of the journey, also. And I think that a lot of filmmakers also concentrate on just getting to this end point. Yeah. And they think it's way closer than it is in reality, because it's not. You no. know, you make a film, it goes, it gets out there. You know, even if it does really well, then what's the next step? Well, you're gonna make another film. But is it going to do as well as the last one? And is it going to reach the same you know audience? Every single thing you do should have, in theory, you should be directing people to a certain place. Right. Yes. Right. And if you're not, then even if you have a poster that's amazing, you you, you got a hundred likes, two hundred likes, five hundred likes, a thousand likes, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're not if if you don't have direct access to those people again when it's time to yeah drop the trailer. Right drop the film, have people come in and watch it. You know, like, that's something else I'm still working on. It's Because uh, that's what ultimately we want is people to buy our stuff. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. You're right. If you get 500 likes on Facebook because you yeah. just put the poster, yeah. where does it go from there? If it doesn't go right. anywhere, then those 500 likes yeah. were wasted. Yeah. It's such a huge difference between, like, the social media and, like, just the awareness and, like, the pat on your back. And then also just getting paid. <laughs> yeah. No, and we're, we're, I mean, obviously you're trying to take that step and you're learning, yeah. uh, but we're trying to take that step as well. Yeah. And just that process of just, because people are damn good at it. Oh yeah. Man, people no. are damn good. It makes it look effortless, don't they? No, it's, it, it's so frustrating. Cause like, I feel like I can, I, I see what other filmmakers are posting and I'm like, I could just kind of post something like that and get all these likes. But then I feel so like inauthentic. I yeah. feel like. I'm just doing things for likes. And like, is that really what I, I, I probably wouldn't be on social media if it wasn't for the fact that it's, it's, you have to kind of, you either have to be on social media and go that route, or you better go through a company and pay a marketing firm to do it for you. Yeah. Right. Which I nobody in this room can afford. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, there are some marketing firms that I've found that I would love to utilize that start at like two thousand dollars, twenty five hundred dollars. I've seen the same. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you get right for that? And how long does it last? And right. is it sustainable? Right. And then you don't have that level of professionalism the whole time. I think it's more of a multi pronged attack. 
So you do like, you know, like ideally you do all your own social media or you have someone do that, but then you do the, like the marketing, like as far as the $2,500 price range, I think, I think October sky is one of them. I might be wrong on the name. I've just heard that name thrown out there, but I think what they do primarily is they blast your email out to tons of podcasts Gotcha. and they try to get you as many interviews and talking to as many people as possible. And I think ultimately it's still up to you to really like okay okay so they've arranged all these times for you and they have you doing all these interviews and maybe they get a couple more reviews on sites for you but if it's not a marketable film it's still going nowhere yeah, it's not right. something that's if it's not catching. interesting you're not interesting and somebody right. else doesn't right. catch on from that right then it's not going to matter what right. you spend on right. and, but, and that's but the, that makes more sense on the 2500 bucks on how yeah would be. I, I don't think it's super, I, I was thinking print i was thinking all these things yeah no, I, I don't think it's super in-depth i think it's something that's kind of a blasted first 30 days 60 days something like that right i've even had people approach me when we were doing the film hacks, I would get emails from a couple different places that that's what they did. They, yeah. they repped people. I had one film that was out for a year, but they just started promoting it a year later. And I was like, well, you're probably, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You want people to see it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it took you that long to get that $2,500. I feel for you. Right. But it also, it feels like, I mean, like, I think the first 90 days are the key time frame <laughs> to really push a film. Yes. Yeah, that's that's why, because we're, we're getting close to wrapping up post on our last film, Red Night at Skies. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like, okay, when do we pull the trigger on the next stage? Because the next stage is the most important of the entire damn thing. Yep. So yep. if we just throw it out there, then it sinks. And, you know, it, it's a blip on the radar. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. doesn't right. help you make the budget back. doesn't help you pay the investors back. Yeah. doesn't help you make another film. Yeah. So how it's, do you time that? It's action horror. So I mean, if it's ready in time, Halloween might not be a bad. October might not be a bad. I, I, no, no, I, we we have some time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. smart about it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. it's no, I, it's yeah. got to be right and ready. Yeah. it's kind of yeah. like what you're working right. on your yeah. your it has Christmas. To be. Yeah, 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 exactly. The plus side for Triple Xmas is is that I feel like every year I get a new chance to try to like yeah appeal to someone. And November, December, first week of January, it'll be out there. And I can kind of push it again hard. Yeah, you yeah know? No, that's, that's smart. Well, I mean, but is it good all the other months? You know, like even if it does great November, December, you know, February, March, all it's then it's not going to do anything in those months. So I feel like it's it, it's good for a couple months each year. It's almost like investing, I feel like. It's in my portfolio at that point. Right. right. Now you got to go make something for the other nine months. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah. So we need to do an Easter one. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Need, need to capitalize. Yeah, I got Arbor Day. And, yeah. Uh... yeah. Need to capitalize on Amityville because there's no copyright on that, and there's like 100 of them out there. Yeah. And, you know, I know, the, I know one of the filmmakers that made um, Amityville Christmas. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, it's very low budget. I like the guy. He may also made Carousel. Carousel. <laughs> I mean, he's made a lot of, he's made some stuff that's like definitely done okay. Yeah. But I think he understands that he's not spending a hundred grand on these movies. Like I think, and I'm just taking a guess, a stab in the dark, but Amityville Christmas, he probably spent five grand on. It's a lot easier when you have you, your wife, and like two or three other actors you paid and five grand invested. You can make, the chances of making that back. Right. Especially when you have a name like Amityville. But that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. That's what he banked it on because he was smart up front. He knew. That's, yeah. Yes. That's smart filmmaking. What does it gain you to make a $5,000 film and make right. $5,000 back? Right. I mean, yeah. then yeah. you're still making $5,000 movies. It depends, on, well, it depends, yeah. it depends on, on what you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's... I think most of us, and I can't speak for everyone, of course, most of us are in this to make films at a higher budget level. Right. That essentially our career path is we're making films. Right. And yeah. if you're making $5,000 films and you make your money back, that is awesome and you beat the odds. But then do you have to make another $5,000 film? 
Right. Or is it sustaining? Can you do a full time? I think this filmmaker in particular, he probably has like eight or ten films that he's released, and all varying levels from probably two to five thousand up to maybe twenty grand. And I think he's seeing a return monthly on these films. Right. So he is. He does see a path forward. I guess. Again, I'm, I don't know his specifics, sure. but I've seen a lot of indie filmmakers recently become way more transparent with what they're making because. Most of us aren't making anything, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's nice to see people being transparent, and that's why I don't mind talking about it. My goal going forward with Fontaine was one day to get to ten thousand dollars. That's I I had no I had no expectation of making the whole budget back. I learned how to make a film. I did it at a fraction of the cost of going to film school. Uh, I collaborated with people that I continue to collaborate with till today. And I have what could become a cult film classic because of the genre type it's in ten years from now. Right. Maybe so, maybe it gets popular 20 years from now. So speaking of film school, what is your opinion on that? I think for the majority of people, it's a waste of time. <laughs> if I'm just being honest. See, that's, that was my, my point for many years. I was yeah. firmly in the don't spend money on film school, spend money on making a film. You'll, yep. learn, you'll learn a lot more. Yeah. And I still believe that. But I definitely think that, A... If you go to film school, you can at least get a firm grounding on how to make a movie, which mm-hmm. I didn't have. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when right. I started, which, again, made everything take longer and was harder. Right. And B, you can probably make connections that can help you further on down big. the road. I think that's real big. That's Networking, huge. I think that's what I said for most people. I That's that's the big caveat. Yeah. I will say that from actors I've worked with, they talk about production in St. Louis. I'm not going to say names. But when they say some of the, the some of the best things they say are about Webster students. Maybe it's because they're doing things a little more professional because they've been taught things a little bit more professional. Well, they walk on a set, they know a set. They right. I, yeah. I say it shortens the curve. Yeah. But experience is the biggest. Yeah. Right. But thing. something you said earlier because I'm gonna say, we've had great experience with community college students right. and not great experience of Webster students. And you'd think it'd be the opposite. Yeah. People get into filmmaking for various reasons. And I think the biggest one that people get into it for is because it's fun and it's cool. Yeah. What they don't realize and don't expect and don't anticipate is it's hard ass work. Oh, it's, it's extremely hard. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've had people in, in my life say, oh, you make movies. That's fun, right? That's like, no, man, it's the hardest job you're Ooh. ever going to do. Yeah. It's harder than any job I've ever done. Yeah. So, well, how's that work? You're just having fun making a movie. Like, man, you don't get it. Because yeah. that's the whole point yeah. of indie film sucks, right? Yeah. Obviously, we don't think filmmaking sucks. We love filmmaking. Yeah, right. But it's hard as a motherfucker to do right. it. Yeah, it is. And there's a bunch of people up like us that are out there yeah. doing yeah. the exact same oh, thing, experience the exact same thing. But we just learned a lot from you tonight. Oh. You probably learned a little bit from us oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. different things. And I th- that's the collaboration. Right. That right. I, I love. So, something that I try to approach like every day, just even just interacting with anybody, but especially filmmaking, but anything really, is I don't care where anyone's at with anything in life, you can learn something from them. Right. Uh, I, I shoot with people, I shoot a lot of weddings, and I've shot with people that have been shooting for less than a year, and I'll watch them sometimes, and I'll learn something. Or maybe I'll relearn something that I used to do, but I stopped doing because it just became so stale to me. Yeah. But I haven't done it in five years. And it's like, oh, yeah, I should probably start doing that again because it produces really good results in this very specific manner. Like, being open to people that have less experience than you, I, I, it's it's I've learned so much. You know? Like, just, just, just having conversations, being able to pass on what I know or what I think I know 
cool. I think being open and trying to learn is it, you're, you're going to learn so much more not thinking you know it all. Yeah, I've huh? seen people that are pretty talented and they're still pretty talented, but they've been pretty talented for five years and they're not amazing. They're just still pretty talented. Yeah. And they could have been amazing at this point if they would have checked the ego at the door. And it, that's sad, you know? Like, well, it's being, I think it's being honest about where you're at, what it yeah. takes, right? Because this is, you got to be honest in this business because it's it's not like being a gambler. Like no. A, right. Because right? <laughs> if you got a compulsive gambling problem, you're only talking about when you win. You're not talking about all the times you lose. Right. And independent film is a lot of suck. Oh, it's a lot of lose. It's yeah. a lot of lose. It's a lot of lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's guys out there just going, well, this is what I did. This is what I did. It's like, but they don't talk about the grind yeah. and all this kind yeah. of It's like, buddy, it's not that easy. Uh, no. I like talking about that. And I like like explaining that to people so that they don't think they're getting into something that's just super easy. Because I feel like people will listen to something like this and they'll see here sitting here laughing and talking about it. Don't gloss over how fucking hard it is. Yeah, it's right. extremely well, that's hard. What we, we want to talk about it, but we also want people to go out to our website yeah. and go out there. And we got the trailers out there for free. Yeah, yeah. And I think we got our movies out there for basically next to nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't, we're not going to make a profit off it. We know yeah. that. We yeah. know we're not going to make profit. But listen to the stories. Go watch the movie. Yeah. And then connect the two and go, that's independent film right there. Yeah. And then see our progression. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we got seven, right? And see that progression. Well, and then boom, when Red Knight pops, yeah. that's where we're at. That's yeah. what I've said many, many times that this is the toughest job. It's just like the Peace Corps, the toughest job you'll ever love. And you have to love it because it is so hard. And a lot yeah. of times, unrewarding, unforgiving, unfun. Yeah. So you, you have to just have a need to do it. There's challenges in every corner, and you know I I always want to have fun, especially on set. Like yeah. I want to have fun, but I also want to get shit done. But I want to have fun, but like there's so many challenges, and every single film seems like there's a new challenge that's presented. And if you try something different and it doesn't work, don't be afraid to go back to old ways that may have worked. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are we gonna talk about now? <laughs> Well, first of all, uh, uh, do you have anything, anything you want to push? Yeah, you anything wanna... specific? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, our Indiegogo is actually still going. Like, it's in demand. So if someone wants to pick up a Blu-ray or support us, um, we have posters, Blu-rays, DVDs. Uh, it's xxx-must.com. It'll take you straight to the Indiegogo. And, you know, you can take a look at that. Uh, you can watch Fontaine and the Vengeful Nun Who Wouldn't Die. It's on Tubi. It's on Amazon. Um Watch it on Tubi. Don't watch it on Amazon. I mean, unless, unless you want to rent it, and then I get a little more. But, okay, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Tubi, I mean, it's free for the viewer, and, you know, I might get a dime. So No. <laughs> nice. James, I can't thank you enough for no. joining us tonight. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a blast. I would love to come on, like, as we get closer to Christmas, if you guys have time. I'd, yeah. You know, time. Push, push the film. Oh, yeah. we have We got time. time. Because <laughs> what do we normally talk about at this point of the of the show? What do we always talk about every every week? Why don't you tell us, Chris? Oh, well, we talk about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the Any Film Sucks podcast. Sponsored by, brought to you by, whatever, by 88mm Productions, or all the social stuff, blah, blah, blah. Check out James's stuff. Yeah. Buy his stuff. Buy our stuff, for God's sake. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, James. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the indie film sucks. Hi.